Welcome to TBC Equipped. We are a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Norman, designed as another resource to equip Christians so they can engage others and evangelize the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Curtis Winkle. I'm here with Ronnie Rogers and Ryan Polk. How are you guys? Doing all right. Good. 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 Um, so you may notice we're, we're not masked, but we are socially distanced. Um, we're trying to be careful. Um, and so in the context of COVID-19, and there's a lot of questions that people have, uh, both outside and inside the church, about what should we do? Should we, should we go out to eat? Should we go visit family? Should we just stay home and isolate and quarantine? Um, that conversation is, is very hot and going on in, in homes uh, and workplaces all over the place, uh, and certainly in churches. So we wanted to take this episode um, and talk about uh, how we've been thinking about that, what we've seen, and, and some of those things. So uh, there are strong opinions right, uh, all over the map, uh, again, even with brothers and sisters uh, in our church. And so, um, Brian, we'll start with you. What, what, what do you feel like is behind some of those conversations and opinions, and, and how have you seen that play out? Uh, I, it's like you said, they're, they're happening everywhere. They're, they're happening in my home all the time. We may not get COVID, but our marriage may not survive COVID. Uh, Karen and I aren't really, uh, you know, we have some disagreements on this. So I, mean, I get it. You know, it's a hard deal. So, but I think as we've talked, you know, it just, uh, one of the things that Ronnie and I have talked about and as a staff, we've talked about a lot is just, we'll do whatever it takes to take care of our church family. And so that's, that's really what's driving uh, what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think one thing, and We've mentioned this a lot of different times. There's no playbook for this either. We are we are learning on the fly, um, and so when you do that, to me, just the posture to be in is we may not get it all right, but our heart's going to be to try to do the best that we can to protect the most people, but also still allow us to be together and worship. Yeah. So that's a huge priority. The scriptures, my mind goes to are Hebrews like don't neglect meeting together, but also yeah. uh, you know Psalm. 133, I think, dwell in unity, mm, and just yeah. how many unity commands there are in the New yeah. Testament as well. Um, Ronnie, how about you? What have you seen? Well, uh, uh, related to the church, because that's very different than my personal life and what, what I would do as an individual, Gene and I. But as a church, uh, one thing to remember is people that are like Ryan and I and others in the church, we're in positions of uh, making decisions that are affecting other people. Mm-hmm. So that changes everything. If it just affects me or something, that's one thing. So our desire was to move towards normalcy at a healthy rate, taking necessary precautions based on the information we had. And Ryan's done a really great job of staying apprised of what's going on in the city and the nation. We've tried to both do that, but he's really paid a lot of attention to that and then helped uh, pass that information to everybody. So when we're looking at this, we're trying to keep everybody safe and move towards normalcy. And that's like Ryan said, really, there's not a paradigm. There's not a model. You're just looking at the data and trying to move ahead. Some people don't want to wear masks. Some do. But again, from our perspective is what is the safest for everybody? Yeah. And it was an interesting thing when we ask at the beginning, uh, how many of you will come if we require masks. Well, there was a whole lot of people who weren't going to come. And then we changed the question and we said, how many of you will wear masks and come for the benefit of other people? And almost everybody said yes. Well, that told me the heart of the church 
that people who didn't want to do it would do it for the benefit of other people. And that's in large measure why you're doing it. So just as a church, we've had to make uh, some decisions. Yeah, it's, you know, one thing that, and part of it is just the background we have, you know, like as far as my family with Kara's health condition and stuff like this, that I'm a little more sensitive to this. But it just really bothered me when I saw things like on Facebook or things like this about our city where people, you know, not our church, but just in general, would say things like, if you're older or sick, just stay home. But as a church, I feel like we don't have, that's not the posture we should take. We should be able to say, what can we do to safely allow you to be here if you feel safe enough to be here? That's right. And so uh, we're not just looking for demographics that the, for the rest of us to be able to get on with normal, but we want to leave these over here. That just seemed really uh, disingenuous to what we're trying to do as the body. Absolutely. Yeah. We believe, you know, we talk about so much about the preborn and, and right. fighting for their lives, yeah. but, but we're a multi-generational church right. with brothers and sisters across the spectrum yeah. of, of age and health situations. Yeah. So how do we love them? How do we continue right. to interact with them and build yeah. them up and encourage them? In a, in a time where they're that's vulnerable. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, so we've been uh, obviously interacting or, or with information from the government, at least, uh, a lot in the last few months. Um, how, how should we view that, that involvement, the government's involvement in a health crisis, mm -hmm. do you think? Ronnie, I'll throw it to you. Well, I think this is different than the flu and stuff in the sense that it was pandemic, it was going across the globe. And the other thing was, uh, to me at least, there was a consensus that it is highly contagious. So there were a lot of things there was divergent views on, uh, particularly as you go on down the line, but that particular thing stayed. Another thing that uh, to me is, I find a little bit alarming is there was a, a not a consensus, but there was a large group of medical experts that believed that when the summer came, it would at least die off and then maybe arise back in the fall. Well, we're in July and it's pretty hot and they're having an uptick in Florida, uh, Texas, uh, comparable weather going on. And now there are reasons, you know, uh, particularly like if you're in bars and stuff and very closely approximated with other people. But, but the point is that it didn't act like a lot of flus. It didn't just die off and then we go back to normal and then we have to deal with it in the fall. Mm -hmm. and, and I assume, like at the beginning, I think they were dealing with the information they had. There was a lot they didn't know and we were all trying to figure it out. Uh, has that some of that become politicized? Yeah, I think it has. But the truth is that, you know, 150,000 people have died. We don't have flus that do that. It is highly contagious. We know that. And it's still here even though the heat's come. That's not conspiratorial. Those are just obvious yeah. facts. And so, but, but where we have to do things as leaders as an individual family or person, we have to decide how we're going to handle that. Mm -hmm. And one family may do it different than Gene and I, but I'm not going to really argue with them or get mad at them or anything. I mean, we just have to make decisions based on what we think. So some wear masks, some don't. Some will go out to eat, some won't. It's kind of like bringing your children up. There are general things that we all do as Christians, mm -hmm. but what kind of school 
yeah. where, how much time you're going to do this, how many sports are you going to have them involved in, what are you going to do with them when you're there? All of that we can get in heated debates, but really that's just our domain of making decisions before the Lord that affect our life and our family. So if another family says, well, we're not going out, I haven't been critical of them at all. That's okay. We've gone out to eat. We've done things, but we're cautious. I will say, like uh, getting your hair cut or something, where I go, they still take all the protocol, and that matters to me. And if there were no protocols and everything had broken down, I might consider going somewhere else. You might have some really long hair. I might have some really long hair, yeah. might look like I didn't get a haircut yeah. uh, two days ago. Yeah. Um, so that's that seems to be a big t- temptation. Uh, people have... I guess they're sources and they, they feel like, you know, kind of armchair experts in some of these things really quickly. Yeah. And so, um, and what, what are some of those temptations and how do we, how do we think through those, Ryan? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, just kind of piggybacking on what Ronnie said, one of the other things about this virus that I think we need to give a lot of grace to our government and the health leaders is it's new, mm-hmm. you know I mean? So they're trying to figure stuff out. I mean, right. nothing to me has been, I just find it, interesting when you have so many educated doctors and stuff that are all over the map on what they think about this which just ought to tell us right then that if they're not sure the uh the the guy on uh, on facebook probably isn't as doesn't need to be as confident as as he's being but uh so um so yeah i think you know as we think through this we just have to live in a posture of grace with one another and, and just give people freedom to make these moves and it bothers me a little bit personally just on some of the things I hear about, you know, we don't want gover- government overreach. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one does that I can think of. But most of us don't think it's overreach that they designate that I'm going to drive on this side of the road to go this way and the other. You know, we, we would say those are good, safe, you know. Mm-hmm. you know, We may not love the feeling of a seatbelt, but we understand what they're trying to do and, and don't see those as necessarily encroachments of rights. And so during a crisis like this— uh, you know, different things are required. And uh, so I think we ought to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's what we've tried to do. We will watch, we listen, and we've said we're going to try to follow what they ask us to do the best we can until they tell us to do something that seems to violate the scripture or conscience. So, and I don't feel like in Oklahoma, even with some of the things we would disagree with in Norman, that that's really been what's happened. Right. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you have to distinguish between what's an inconvenience and what you disagree with and what's a violation of either uh, civil rights or religious rights. For example, in this church, uh, there's a fire code. We have to have certain things. We have to obey by, uh, abide by that. Parking on the street. Uh, uh, if we do some building, then you have to get certain things to pass code. You have to change things. Those are inconveniences. They're really... a you know, a lot of trouble, but they're not a violation. They're not telling us we can't worship at all forever. They're just saying if you're going to do it, you have to do this. So that's what it means to live in a a civil society. Now, I will say this, in this COVID, uh, our governor made four calls, I was on three of them, to pastors and talked to us about what was going on. And I found him to be very respectful of religious freedom and very... uh, thoughtful and the data but when I look around the country some of these places I think they have overstepped I mean my goodness they they've just they've shut down churches but allowed everything else to operate or you know taking license numbers or or getting onto them for parking on the parking lot of a church but not at Lowe's or somewhere else 
And so there has to be some kind of uh, balance. And I, then I would say that even Lowe's and restaurants and banks and even the civil government, they don't have a First Amendment. So if they're going to close something, the last thing should be the church. Yeah. But we're okay because we understand why they're doing it. Again, if you think it's a conspiracy so that we can't worship and all that, you would view it different. I just don't think it's that. I think they're trying to figure this thing out, and they don't want to swarm. I think in some places there's been an abuse of power. Right. But I don't think our governor has done that at all, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah. So you mentioned kind of the idea of, of theories uh, that, that you see all over. I mean, social media is obviously a hot spot for this. Um, and so how, how do you think? I mean, we've seen things from, from blaming you know, Bill Gates to this is you know, Mark of the Beast to 5G Network and all kinds of things floated around uh, and more. How, uh, how should a Christian think about those things? Uh, should we chase down every theory to see if it's accurate? If we have you know, relatives or friends reporting these things, uh, do we have a responsibility to, to help point to truth in those areas? What do you guys think about? Yeah, they, sh- they should hop on social media and correct everything <laughs> yeah or just, believe everything or believe everything yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah I, I saw someone on social media it was actually really funny like when all this was going on and he just tweeted out and said man i threw away my uh, left behind novels way too early <laughs> and uh, right. so yeah i don't know ronnie's probably got a good take on this but uh you know i just think this is where social media is probably not the greatest platform to argue some of these things i mean there's just you know, constant fighting. And like, if there's something to be believed, it's out there, Yeah. you know? And, uh, so it kind of goes back to some things we talked about earlier, but, uh, you know, we just have to be very careful how we even allow, even dealing with people, like just be very gentle. I mean, again, just like we said, doctors haven't figured all this out. There is a lot of stuff going on right now that's confusing. So I, I don't think that necessarily means, you know, that, you know, the end is tomorrow. I mean, if you have a historical perspective, things like this have happened, but at the same time, people are processing this and it's just part of walking with God and we need to be pretty gentle, I think, as we do that. Conversations would be better than uh, Internet conversations. lengthy uh, yeah. social media tirades, I think. Yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, I don't think that's the place to have a big, long discussion. <clears throat> One of the things that happens is, so I, I look for people who have some credibility and a lot of people on the internet, they have an opinion, but they haven't demonstrated they have any credibility or knowledge in that area. And then, you know, you can find out what they presuppose pretty quickly. But for example, I think of Ben Carson, I've watched him speak a couple of times. You know, for me, he has some credibility. Uh, he, he's he's doctor. a knowledgeable doctor. Yeah. He's a doctor. He, he's not only a doctor, he's very accomplished. Yeah. He's measured. He doesn't seem to be out to get anybody. And so I can listen to him thinking that I'm getting something. The guy on the internet uh, throwing out three or four things that he knows, he may not know everything else. And I'll tell you where you see this most vividly. If you take your area that you have spent some time in, and you may know quite a bit about it, whatever that is, economics or the Bible or medicine or uh, philosophy, whatever, you get on the internet and you see people jumping into that area and it's so evident they don't know what they're talking about, and so you don't even engage them. Mm-hmm. Another thing to, to illustrate this, so I worked on the railroad for eight years as a brakeman, and I've watched the train movies, Runaway Train and all these things, and none of that can happen. It can't happen. 
the trains are not set up that way. The, even in an emergency situation, it doesn't happen. And things they're doing and trying to fix it. But if you don't know anything about the railroad trains, it's very entertaining. It is not entertaining for someone who knows. I would assume the same thing, like if you watch Air Force One or something about a plane and pilots and others are watching it, they're not getting the same thing out of it as me because I know nothing about it and it all seems pretty exhilarating. I think that's exactly how it could happen. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like to me it's as real as it could be. Well, that's what happens on the internet. The only thing is you have a zillion people that you know nothing about, you know, you don't know their background, you don't know their knowledge, you don't know presupposition, you don't know anything, and we're listening to them say things that many people who know something about it would not ever espouse that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I'm guilty of this uh, as well, just jumping into areas and feeling like, well, I need to comment on this mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, there's this idea of virtue signaling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm on this team or right. that team. Um, so that team has this opinion about <laughs> whatever yeah. subject yeah. is up, whatever the yeah. hot issue is today. Well, and I even feel a little bit about that, even when people comment and they, they're admitting that they don't know, mm-hmm. but they're just correcting, you know, and saying, you know, part of it is I think if you would ignore the crazy, the crazy could go away, mm-hmm. but the constant feeding the crazy brings it back a lot, you know, and, you know, just, uh, you know, surely it's not too much to ask people to think that, Let's get our end times from the Bible, not Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if if Joe on Facebook can figure out it's Bill Gates, it's probably not Bill Gates, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that seems pretty. Yeah, and there has always, so there's a conspiracy, and you can go back. So I've been pastoring for 40 years. And when I first began prophecy, and I still think prophecy is very valuable, very important, but that's where you make hay of all this stuff. So, I, I mean, the number of people who have been the Antichrist <laughs> and mathematics and verses and their past, it, it is unbelievable. I mean, you can go back to Nero and now he's going to be resurrected. You, you come up, but Tip O'Neill, I mean, that was in with Reagan, the Speaker of the House. I mean, anybody. Yeah. And this is what they do Bill Gates. And Bill Gates is one of the wealthiest men in the world. So he, like we, have a view of the world and a view of what needs to be done. And if we had the wherewithal, we'd try to do it. That's what I think he's doing. Yeah. That's, that's what I think he's doing. I'm, I'm doing what I can over here. He can just do so much more and then the news is going to cover him. But it doesn't mean he's, he's the Antichrist or a part of this conspiracy. All right, so don't get your, your end times theology from Facebook. That's going to be our tagline, I think, for this I think that's I think, I think that's pretty safe to live by. I mean, I think you might not go wrong with it. <laughs> All right, well, we appreciate you joining us on this episode of TBC Equipped, and we'll catch you next time. Good job.